Hey everyone, this is Anna Firminov, and this is Modern Startup Marketing, a show that's shining a light on those startups that are taking their marketing efforts to the next level. And now to this episode. Hi, Aaron. Aaron Pollock is CMO at Nanit, founded in 2016, 65 people based out of New York City. I am really excited to have you here. First, because I am a mom and have gone through the baby phase and kind of wish I had uh, my hands on the products that you guys offer. So we'll talk about that more and Nanit some more. But also there's some really great things happening with fundraising and we'll talk about all the exciting things that you're doing and how you guys are growing. So prior to joining Nanit in 2017, Aaron held different marketing roles at Global Brands some of them you might know, Canary, BlackBerry, Great Call, and SiriusXM. So this is kind of like the thread that I get from you is the tech that gives you information to help you feel safe, secure, have that peace of mind, connected home, you've been involved with that, like Internet of Things. So lots of great, cool experiences in your past. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. That's a, that is a good summary. Yes, I've spent a, a good chunk of my career on the tech side. So. So you know a lot. (laughs) We'll talk about that. As for Nanit, you guys just raised Series C. So congrats. Um, So that's $75 million in total. And I'll give a short rundown of what this is. It's an HD baby monitor. That's your main flagship product, right? HD baby monitor that lets you track your baby's sleep, breathing motion, and growth. Um, So really parents get like the full sleep analysis, they get tips, they get immediate alerts, and there's this really good like overhead view of your baby. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this digital baby album, yeah. which is super cool because I know with my first child, I was a little bit better at it. But with my second one, I it was just a blur. I don't remember. <laughs> And so this allows you to track those milestones. You could share with your family. You can share with your friends. And I'm going to call it a baby monitor on steroids. And I don't know if that's what you call it. (laughs) That's okay. I I don't usually use that, but I'll take it. (laughs) Um, It's just like all the different things that you could possibly want to have that peace of mind, plus like that extra stuff that you don't have time to think about, that digital baby album, right? It's just really cool for parents. So thanks for coming on. Let's get going. I've got tons to ask. Um, All right. So let's start off with what what does marketing mean to you? What does marketing mean to me? Well, let's say marketing is the act of attracting an audience to something you'd like them to digest. So on the surface, uh, a lot of people consider marketing to simply be the idea of getting someone to take an action, to buy a product or to sign up for a mailing list or, or follow someone on social media. And of course, a good chunk of marketing is intended to do that, but It's much more as well. I mean, you're establishing an identity, you're developing a relationship with someone, you're bringing something new to somebody and hoping that they'll receive it favorably. So there's so much involved in marketing. It is more than just, hey, you know, buy this or follow this. There's a lot more to it. Great. Love it. Let's talk about Nanit. And I gave a little bit of a pitch about it. Is there anything that I missed? Is there like a different explanation you'd give 
a different problem that you're solving that I didn't yeah, mention? I'll, I'll, I'll tweak your description a little bit. Um, so yes, Nana is so much more than a baby monitor. We consider it an entire baby monitoring solution. And what we're what we really do, not just on the feature side of things, we connect parents to their baby's health and well-being in real time. So being a parent yourself, there's probably a lot of things you just don't know about. And there's things that you, you check in with your doctor every couple of months or whatever. Um, with Nanit, you know, with HD, 1080p HD video, you've got real-time alerts, you've got real-time breathing motion monitoring. Of course, the scary side of that, if your baby were to stop breathing, Nanit would alert you to that. The newest feature is height tracking in real-time growth, real-time height measurements. You can actually, you put your baby on this thing called a smart sheet on your crib mattress, and then it can actually measure your baby's height in between those doctor visits. And usually height is only every few months. So you can keep track of their development. And on the, the memory side, glad you brought that one up, that the memories feature is more than just you. It's actually automated for you. So Nanit identifies interesting things happening in the crib, and it will automatically save them for you into your digital baby album. So, of course, you can save things as well, but Nanit might notice, you know, the first time your baby slept through the night without waking up, and it's going to save that for you and, and give you this wonderful uh, baby album. So it's it, it really is a very broad solution. That's so cool. Um <laughs> Tell me, what's your marketing team like right now? It's 65 people, as I mentioned, for the company. But what does marketing look like? And is there anything that's unique in the way that you're structured? Sure. We're pretty lean and mean. I don't know that we necessarily call ourselves a startup anymore since we've been around for about five years already. But even after all the success and, and the growth that we've had, the marketing team is seven people. So pretty small, but... To be honest, on the unique side, no, it's not. It's a pretty fairly standard setup. I've got a growth team and a brand team. Growth team, as you would imagine, is dedicated to acquisition, retention, upgrades. They handle our paid media. In a company like ours, where we have a pretty unique solution in a highly competitive industry, there's a lot we need to manage on this side. So we've got our camera sales, we've got our textile sales, we've got accessory sales, we've got our SaaS retention. So there's a SaaS component to, to Nana as well. So there's retentions, upgrades, there's LTV, there's all these other things. So a lot of that is focused there. We put a lot of resources into our growth team. And on the other side is the brand team, which is pretty equally stretched, obviously, which, uh, with a fairly small team. Brand team is focused on, on PR, social media, a lot of content creation. We're putting a heavy, heavy effort into content creation and becoming more of a, a thought leader in the category. We have a pretty good influencer engage, engagement program. Um, and really, our efforts here have started to really pay off over the past year or so. And the CAC, helping to reduce the CAC, the more our brand team does, the more earned media we get. Our CAC has started to, to come down really into a profitable level for the company. And word of mouth just keeps spreading. I mean, it, we've built out a huge community of users. They're happy. They're excited about what we offer. They like our products. And it's just helping, uh, helping the bottom line pretty, pretty substantially. Awesome. So you mentioned SaaS. So I was always thinking product. I was not thinking SaaS. Tell me about the SaaS part of your business. Sure. So Nanit, we use a technology called Computer Vision. And we use, so we use our AI to process everything happening in and around the crib. And we give that back to the customer in their app. So you've got your Nanit app. For instance, every morning you wake up and you get this dashboard of how your baby slept at night. So it knows how long your baby slept, how well they slept, how many times they woke up, how many times you as the parent visited them, all this amazing, amazing things. We've got a movement map. It shows where your baby was rolling around all over the crib. Pr pretty cool data. That is all via an insight service. So that takes a heck of a lot of processing power and computing power. When you 
start using your NANIT, we give you a full year of that service for free, however. So that service includes you get two days of video history and you get two distinct user accounts. So, you know, mother and father or the two uh, parents or not. You can use two other people. And then if you want to upgrade, you can. We offer higher level plans that you can pay for that offer more users, that offer more days of history, that offer more features and things like that. So we give you the full year for free app. Most people are pretty content with all of that stuff for a year. For some parents, there's quite a few parents that want to keep tracking this type of thing as the baby gets a little older. And for them, they can sign on. It's very inexpensive. The basic plan is only $5 a month or $50 a year, like I said, after the first year. So we give you one year for free. If you want to stay on, you can. If you want to upgrade for more data, more days of history, things like that, you can do that too. Okay, perfect. Thanks for talking through that. So let's talk about then, what are you guys up to? You mentioned your teams. Mm -hmm. So a a little bit on the surface, like you're you're looking at growth, your paid media channels, you're looking at brand, content creation, influencers, like tell me about what's been working really well for you, like what channels? Sure. We focus pretty heavily on reaching customers where they already are in the mindset of baby products. So with that in mind, we can't spend too many resources on quote unquote traditional media like TV or print as it's just too many wasted impressions. I mean, if you think about the broad reach of things like that, how many people are really in the mindset of having a baby? There's about 4 million babies in America born every year. So that means quite a few people are not thinking about baby products right now. So we can't I hate to call them wasted impressions, but they really are. If if I'm presenting a product to someone who has no relevance whatsoever, it's something I can't really do. So we focus pretty heavily on the stage and the lifestyle. So in terms of specific channels, we do a lot of the typical things. One I will highlight specifically that has been working well for us as late is Pinterest. We've always spent a good amount of money on paid social, of course, but mostly that money went into Facebook and Instagram. We always knew Pinterest could be a good option for us, but they didn't have the best attribution capabilities like Facebook and had built built out and things. But about a year ago, they actually upgraded and they included longer attribution windows. They included household level attribution. They included offline conversions, which is a really important one for us because if you think about our category, a conversion isn't always a purchase. A conversion could be they added it to a registry. So the offline conversions is a very important indicator of, of success for us. Since then, we've seen Pinterest results improve pretty much every month. They've really grown into a, a great direct response platform like Facebook and Instagram. So also on paid social, lately we've seen good results experimenting with higher percentile lookalikes to get really tactical. We used to be pretty low, and now we've gone as high as 10%. And this has paid off. I think it's, it is definitely linked to the brand awareness. Earlier on, especially as a startup, the earlier on you are, it's just harder to expand out your lookalike audience that wide. But at this point, it's starting to work out better for us. Some other tactics that, that have worked out, we've invested more this year, are endemic partners like The Bump or Babylist or a company like What to Expect. These are really important because they're not just content publishers. These guys have highly targeted marketing capabilities and we can reach people at whatever stage of their pregnancy they are so we can take advantage of these partners because they're reaching our customers at that crucial part 
of the journey and you've been there. So, you, you know, the, the, your mind goes so down the baby product path for a certain amount of time and then it's on to the baby. So we have to hit you in that mindset and important note in our category specifically is that 79% of baby monitors are actually purchased before the baby's born. So we've got to get you when you are in that right mindset, because once the baby is born, I mean, we've lost almost 80% of our opportunities. So very important to have these types of partners that can actually get us right in front of the people when baby monitors are on their mind. Another interesting off, uh, another one that's been helpful has been Critio, but not just the standard retargeting. They offer uh, a new retail.com retargeting solution. So on target.com, bestbuy.com. So we've partnered with them and we've been increasing our spend pretty regularly because it's just helped with our retail sales. I, I love having a nice broad broad media uh, channel mix as opposed to just all Amazon and all direct. It's nice to be able to sell a decent amount through companies like Bye Bye Baby and Target and they both offer book baby registries as well, which is crucial to to us. So, so Critio, Critio's retail.com capabilities have really benefited us uh, as of late. Awesome. Thank you. And you did share, you said that you wouldn't share and I was like, "Uh Oh, he's not going to share anything, but you did share a good, a good amount. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. I always think about that too, right? Startups don't want to share much because they don't want the competition to kind of like piggyback off of it and go down the road faster than them. But I think that there is, it's just so hard, like listening to something that's not it. There's so much more that was built before. Like you've created a foundation, you've created your brand. It's so much that this is more of like generating ideas for founders and marketing leaders that might be listening. And to clarify, we've got plenty of other things I didn't tell you. (laughs) For sure. I know. I'm sure of it. I am so sure of it. And more probably brewing, right? Awesome. So Let's talk about then some challenges. Like what's, there's a lot going on. Like you said, when you jumped on here, what are some challenges? What are you still trying to figure out? Well, um, it's a very interesting space. The category in general is very, and I've alluded to it a little bit. I think of it this way. This category, baby monitoring and baby products in general, but we'll stick to baby monitors. The category is incredibly unique in that the entire customer journey is four to five months long. And when I say the entire, I mean the entire journey. So with just about any other product, people already have some level of knowledge on the products or the brands or the features. Think about something like buying a car. I live in New York City. I haven't owned a car in eight years. But if I were to go buy one, I would know brands. I ride in cars all the time. I know at least some of the things I might want in a car. Do I want two doors, four doors? Do I want a sunroof? You know, these types of things. I know what the features are. I know these types of things. I'd have lots of places to start. But when people are entering this space, most of them, most of those 4 million babies that I mentioned, most of those those people have never had a child before. So that means they've never researched a baby monitor. They've never purchased one. They've never even used one. They don't know what the features are these days. They don't know the brands. They don't know the price points. It's literally a whole new world. And on top of that, Most people start that baby register in trimester two. So you've got millions of new customers every year, brand new to the entire category, and they need to go from awareness to interest to conversion in about four to five months. And on top of that, since that's about 11,000 new babies being born every day, that means 11,000 new sets of parents are entering this process literally every day. 
So every single day, somebody finds out they're pregnant, 11,000 of them roughly, well, 11,000 sets of parents. That means roughly every single day around 11,000 are starting their baby run monitor, their baby registry and so on and so forth. So we have to run this entire funnel 24 seven so that we can get in front of every single one of those 11,000 sets of parents every single day welcome them in, get them on through, get them to at least register for a Nanit or purchase a Nanit, put Nanit in their consideration set every single day. And, you know, it's a little daunting, but honestly, as a marketer, it's pretty exciting. It's a fun challenge that on the flip side of that challenge and some of the things you have to deal with, I mean, there's so many new people into the category every day. It means it's difficult to build or maintain brand loyalty because you might get them in. They might not have another baby for a few years and, and that's it. So if you can get them in, there's at least a good chance that they'll buy some more products from you or, or maybe if they do have the second or third child, they'll buy another monitor to monitor the child. But really, that's why there's such a heavy focus on acquisition. Just, you know, so many of those babies are first time parents and it's such a short, condensed customer journey that we have to really just do what we can to get in front of them every single day. I just was, this is a very different way to think about customers and customer journey. It's so fast. You're absolutely right. You need to educate them. You have to be fast about it. And you only have that short time frame. And then also like they're basically, if it's just one child for them, they're done. Right. And you have to move on to who's next. And you don't really think as much about like customers and repeat purchase as much as you do on the acquisition side. Is that right? Correct. We, we try to get them to maybe buy some more things, you know, these accessories, this type of thing, or maybe upgrade their insights plan that we talked about. But there's only so many baby monitors a person's going to buy, right? Even if they have three kids, they're probably only going to top out at three baby monitors. They're not going to buy seven. So um, totally, yeah, it's an interesting category. They might just reuse that one that they got <laughs> that first time. <laughs> if it still works. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, saving money, I guess. I don't know. New parents. But then you still need to think about those customers because they're the ones that can, that drive the word of mouth. And oh, sure. right. So you're not just totally forgetting about them. They're maybe part of your community now. And then they but then once they're done with that phase of like worrying about the baby the sleeping, why is my baby not sleeping? Like that doesn't last for a long time. And then they're kind of moving out to the next stage, like toddler. What do I need for my toddler? Yes, so. and, and that's, that's very true. And, and we, we try to keep in contact and just build positive relationships throughout their entire experience. So we've got, you mentioned it at the beginning of the call, is the, the sleep tracking and analysis. One thing we actually offer, which people love and which does drive a lot of word of mouth, is personalized sleep coaching built in. So not only do we process that data and just give it to you, like you get that data, the, the dashboard every day, but then let's say you're doing something that maybe could be improved upon. Maybe you keep putting your baby into the crib every day, then they're already asleep. Nanit's actually going to see something like that. And it's not you know critical or, or judgy or anything, but it's going to be like, hey, we noticed you keep putting your baby into the crib when they're already asleep. For optimal sleep, performance. Try putting them into bed while they're still awake. Maybe they're dozing off, but you know, put them into the crib while they're still awake so they can establish a sleep routine and get used to falling asleep, not on your shoulder or wherever. So that type of thing, when people see that and they realize it's personal, because it's, it's not everybody gets the same coaching. Like one mom might get something, one dad might get something else and, and they're getting totally different thing and it's personalized to their situation. So that's the type of thing that keeps people talking about us and sharing and doing cool things. So 
That's awesome. I know like sleep is just so difficult that first year. It's just like ups and downs. The first few months is just ridiculous. So this is great that you offer the tips and it's personalized. I think that's really useful. One question I had as we were talking is, it can't be that you are for everybody, right? There are certain, sure, it's like you're pregnant and you're ready to think about baby monitors, but it takes a certain type of person or people to say, I need something for more information. I need tips. I need analysis. Like who is that psychographic person that you're really targeting? Uh, It's gotten much broader, actually. If you asked me this question five years ago, you're right. It was a narrower world. The customer that was willing to pay $300 for a baby. It was tough at first, honestly, at the beginning, the whole category has changed in no small part to Nanit. We introduced a $300 baby monitor that does all these crazy things that nobody else had ever done. And yeah, at first you would expect A, the price point would have been tough to fight through and B, the value proposition maybe wasn't for everybody. But on the backs of our efforts, and we do have some competitors that are pretty good quality products as well that, that play in the same space, we've kind of changed the market. Uh, sure, is it for absolutely every parent? Probably not. The price point might push some people out. But the modern parent today, I mean, they grew up with smartphones. And, and you know, you're not parents these days are all late 20s, early 30s, right? Early to mid 30s. That's the 80% in the bell curve. They grew up with social media, they grew up with smartphones, they grew up with data, they grew up with knowing everything in real time at all times. And that's essentially what we do. We, we just do it for your baby. And the price point isn't really an issue anymore either. It's because there are quite a few products now that aren't a $50 little old school outdated baby monitor. If, if you want that and that's what you think you need, you're probably, yeah, you're right. We're not going to be able to talk you up to a Nana if all you think you need is a $50 audio monitor. But if you're interested in, in the video and really crystal clear video as opposed to grainy video and you want to know more data, it's not as big a price jump as you might imagine. I mean, we're certainly not a Lamborghini, right? Maybe we're a, a low-end Audi. We're, 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 not a, we're not a Volkswagen, we're, we're, you know, but we're somewhere in between. So, uh, hey, Audi is a pretty nice car, so... It is. It, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, it, it's totally. not, we're, we're certainly not a Lamborghini. We're a, we're a premium product. We know that. But it's not... I mean, people are willing to pay 1200 bucks for an iPhone. Is $300 to be connected to your baby's health and well-being that much? It's, it really, over the years, it has proven to be not much of a barrier anymore. Totally. When you put it that way, absolutely. That's <laughs> fascinating. You guys just raised Series C. So taking the company from Series B to Series C, what did it take? What did you focus on? How did you get there with your marketing and growth efforts? Series C is a pretty different world from earlier rounds. In earlier rounds, even with a B round, there's an opportunity where investors are buying into the idea. They're buying into the potential. They're buying into the vision that you lay out in front of them. And it just sounds great. But with Series C, you've really got to put your results where your mouth is. You need to show that what you've created is already successful, already has an audience. Uh, it's already performing well. The vision and the potential need to remain bigger and better and, and wonderful. But now you have several years of results to back that up. So the vision you present needs to be achievable, but still large and attractive enough for investors to want to get on board. So in our case, we have a pretty great success story. Our investors saw the potential for us to go so much bigger if only we had the right resources. So we laid out our vision and it was backed by things like we were just listed a few months ago as number 19 on Deloitte's 
Fast 500, meaning we were the 19th fastest growing technology company in America last year. We had the largest market share gained in the entire category from NPD last year. So we had all these great data points combined with this amazing vision of connecting you to your baby's health and well-being. And our focus this round was really on showing off the results, showing what we've done so far, explaining how what we've done so far will build the future, and then just walk through the types of products and opportunities and and campaigns and, and everything else that we will develop to create that future that we've now laid out for the investors. And believe it or not, it was a fairly short process. Uh, you know, my CEO was she was on a lot of calls a lot of the time, but, you know, getting this stuff done, it sucked up some of her time, but we really have a lot to talk about. So it went very well. And, you know, getting GV, formerly Google Ventures, as, as our new, new investor was certainly a nice feather in our cap. So exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about kind of you and your ideas and creativity. I like to dabble in this area and ask folks this. What are like the last two or three really good ideas that you've come up with in terms of marketing related? Yeah. Probably the biggest or at least the most impactful idea at Nanit for me was the idea of including that free year of the paid service that we talked about. When I joined the company a little, eh, going on three and a half years ago, we did what a lot of other hardware software combo companies do, which is we gave a one month free trial. So it was pretty challenging that offering because it was hard to get customers to sign on to the idea that they had to pay for a premium baby monitor. It was 279 at the time, but then all the things we would advertise, the sleep tracking, all that great stuff, they had to pay extra for all of that. And was that five dollars a month yeah, or was it more? No, at the time we didn't even have the five dollar plan. We only had a ten dollar plan. So you had to buy a two hundred seventy nine dollar monitor. And then you got a month free and you had to then pay ten dollars a month for insights. And it wasn't the right product. It was too expensive and frankly, it wasn't fair with the great stuff that we were saying we do, we charged you extra for, right? So I brought to the table that it's just too big of a barrier to entry. And obviously lots of things were thrown around as to how to get through it. Do we lower the price of the camera, stuff like that. But I thought what I brought was this free year of paid insights. So we did all the analysis. We walked through it all. We talked through it all. And that's where we landed was we landed on a new plan, the $5 plan, which offers, like I said, offers less. The $10 plan really hasn't changed. It's the $10 plan today we offer that basically gives you 10 users and 30 days of history and all this other stuff. We didn't have a $5 plan. So we created the $5 plan. We gave you a full year of it. And literally within a few months, we launched it on March 1st of 2019. Within a few months, sell-through was up 50%. (laughs) So we had already known the SaaS component was a barrier to entry, but this clearly proved it out. Since then, obviously, we've been able to grow leaps and bounds, and I attribute a huge chunk of that to, to breaking down that barrier. As you may have seen, our revenues year over year, 2020, 2019, we were up 130%. We've been up more than that in, in previous years. So we are consistently more than doubling, and I, and I honestly believe that free year was such a major factor in that. More recently, I'd say it, it stands to be proven if this was a good idea or not, but the breathing motion, the breathing motion monitoring, it's not actually done simply via the camera. So there are competitors out there that do put something on your baby, like a wearable to track the breathing, or they put it in the crib under the mattress. There's various competitors out there. 
we didn't want to put something on the baby, put an actual sensor or device on the baby, but we know we have this super powerful computer vision. So we launched, the way we track the baby's breathing motion is actually through something called breathing wear. It's, it's a wearable, it's either a swaddle or something called a breathing band or a sleeping bag, all these different products with a proprietary pattern on the baby's chest that the camera sees physically moving with the baby's chest compressions. That's how we do breathing. So perfectly safe, natural. You're going to buy them a swaddle or, or a sleeping bag anyway. These help you track breathing if you have a nanny. But the problem is those were additional accessories, right? So if the value proposition was we track your baby's sleep and breathing motion, it's almost the same issue we had with the insights from years ago. It's like, okay, but we don't give you breathing motion. You have to go buy it. So the Nanit Pro, which just launched this month, it's our newest model, third generation camera. So we're very, very excited. It just came out. Uh, that includes a free breathing band with every camera you buy. And that was, that was my idea as well was, okay, out of the box, we need to give our customers what we say we give them. Um, sure, they could buy more breathing wear. They can upgrade their insights. If they choose to do these things, they can do these things. But out of the box, we have to back up. We have to put our money where our mouth is. We have to back up what we say we give them. So now, with every camera you buy, you actually get a free breathing band. So can I tell you it's a great idea? I think so. We don't have any data to prove it because the product just launched, but we'll see how that goes. That's great. Well, historically, looking back on the decision making that you made with the, you know, going from one month free trial to one free year, and it almost kind of makes sense, like that experience of buying something and then having to buy something to get to that thing that you wanted in the first place is kind of, you know, (laughs) not as great. So awesome. Our competitors jumped down our throats on that one too. That was like a softball for them. You know, what's the difference between you and Nana? And their answer was always, well, you got to pay extra for that stuff for Nana. So that was, you know, Uh, a spotter for them as well. Right. So Mm-hmm. Yep. You mentioned that one of the plans, 10 people get access. Like who is that out there that's buying that? Well, I'm shocked. Lots of people, especially during COVID. I'm glad you actually asked that. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we did this fun thing. We allowed all the customers with the basic plan. We added free users for them because if you're just having a baby, grandma, grandpa, or your brother lives in another state. So Now we give you admin rights. So if you're the admin on the account and you want to add your brother who lives in Texas to look at your baby, you can actually control what they have access to, when they have access to it. Do you only want them to see, you know, this thing or this other feature? You can control all that, but you can, especially during COVID, those extra users have been a godsend for some of our customers. More than 20% of our users are non-parents. So do a lot of customers add up to 10 not not a ton, but a lot have a lot more than two. You know, there's quite a few customers with three, four, five, six, and it's grandparents who live in another state or it's, you know, in COVID, it's just anybody that lives in another town because you can't go see anybody, right? So the user permissions and the user accounts has, has been a, a great, great win for us, actually. Oh, my gosh. I That makes so much sense. And you've almost like opened up a new world for folks that are, you can share pictures, you know, every now and then, but... It's so different. You're just like, almost like you're there as a grandparent to be there with the baby as they're sleeping. <laughs> it's just or so. If they're awake. And there's two-way audio as well. So, you know, you put your baby down and the baby's still awake and the grandparent or whomever can actually just talk right through the app and it comes through the Nana and they can even talk and hear the baby too. I would be really pissed off if grandma decided during like some nap or something to say something and wakes the baby That's why there's permissions. If you're the admin, you can shut her (laughs) off. 
Beautiful. Thanks for explaining that. So how do you, you get good ideas, um, especially about like product offerings, how to offer it, how to create a better experience and with the use of your products, how do you keep your marketing fresh? Like how do you stay creative? What are some things that you do? We're always kind of learning and adapting. Um, the market is always changing. The parents are changing. We talk to them a lot. Honestly, our product team interacts with our, our customers all day, every day. We've got our super parents group on Facebook. Um, some old school tricks. I mean, we, we try new creative. We'll A-B test it. We'll put it out into the market. We'll test new creative with our customers. We'll do focus groups and, and see where they like things to go. You know, one of our primary competitors is, uses fear a lot, the, the concept of SIDS and and such. Um, a few years ago, uh, I remember our board members said, hey, this other company's doing well. Why don't you guys try it? And I didn't want to, but we tried it anyway. And it didn't do as well as our more positive messaging and our more peace of mind messaging. And that's really it. I mean, we continually test new creative. We are, we're continually working with new influencers who always have good ideas. We have a great creative agency that's always bringing us new concepts and thought starters. Even internally, actually, monthly, I challenge the team to bring just completely new ideas. We have this meeting called Big Marketing Big Projects, and it's funny. Every week we have this big projects meeting, but once a month, I, I challenge the big project, the team to bring in new big projects, right? So new concepts and ideas. And we just kind of listen and talk about them, and some of them make it through our our world, and we go out and we physically try them. I mean, it's one of the benefits of being a small company is there's no there's no bureaucracy right like if we think something's great we go talk to the agency and we make it and we literally give it a try so we are not afraid of trying new things we're not afraid of failing we also have a great product team that turns out new things that so the smart sheets product i mentioned it's an actual sheet you put it on your baby's crib mattress and then you use the camera and the in-app measuring tools to measure your baby's height well this is a whole new world for us. And this opened up a whole slew of new creative opportunities, even on the marketing side, new SEO about height and child development and growth and things like that. But even on the creative side, growth and height wasn't necessarily a thing we focused on much. And now it's this whole new world of creative that we're testing out and got a, a brand new fun piece of content launching next week. And and things like that really open themselves up to UGC. And then the influencers are loving this new product as well. So it's just, um, you know, we're small, we're fast, we're willing to test, we're willing to fail. And that's sometimes how you get the best creative. Can you talk about influencers a little bit? Are these folks that have a following on social, right? Like you mentioned, Pinterest, you're going big on and maybe also in Facebook and Instagram. I'm not sure. But who are they? Like they have babies, they have that short customer journey too, or are they just kind of like forever your influencers and you have built a relationship with them? Like, how do you think about that relationship? Yeah, we, we rotate through them pretty quickly too, quite frankly. So there's a variety of buckets that you can put an influencer in. You can put them in, they're already an influencer and now all of a sudden they're having a baby. Those are usually not as great for us because their influencer content and the people that are following them aren't following them for baby stuff. They're following them for fashion or whatever they're following them for. And then all of a sudden they're having a baby. So they're not usually a bullseye for us. We will work with them if they have just a huge amount of followers. The better ones are really the baby people. I mean, there are people out there with, with their baby, their sleep coaches or they're this or they're that. And they've built up big followings on Instagram or there's the nursery type people who really 
who have these beautiful to die for jealous type of nurseries that people want to copy. I hate those people. (laughs) (laughs) I love those people because when they put a Nana in the middle of their dream nursery, that works out great for us. But yeah, I mean, we rotate through a lot of them. And sometimes, like I said, we're willing to work with the the non-baby ones as long as they've got a good engaged following and their brand mixes well with ours. Our whole PR team is interacting with influencers pretty much on a daily basis. Awesome. Okay, so what are some bad recommendations that (laughs) you've gotten? And you kind of mentioned one of them, which is like the fear factor and making your message more about like, scaring parents into buying your stuff didn't work as well as a positive message. Like what are some bad recommendations in like what you do that you've heard? That definitely was one. It was bad for a couple of reasons. One, one of our main competitors, that was kind of their shtick, you know, and I didn't really want to just be a me too product that's copying them, you know? Um, But two, it's just, it's just icky. (laughs) You know, we have this positive brand and we do all these great things and then to try and tie it back to, ah, your baby might, you know, stop breathing. Ah," You know, it didn't work. I didn't love that. In general, I would more answer this a little bit more generally. And it goes back to kind of how I, I positioned the entire marketing challenge for the company is a lot of people will make recommendations based on what works for them or what works for their company or their product. And it really doesn't most of the time, it doesn't really work here. I mean, tactically, things like direct mail or whatever that might work for others, it just hasn't, it doesn't work here. One particularly frustrating, just from my own personal experience, was the CEO was just utterly obsessed with the concept of going viral. And she was jamming it down my throat that we have to come up with an idea that goes viral. I was like, that's not how virality happens. <laughs> she was pushing and pushing and pushing me the way to build this brand and to get sales and to get some traction is that we have to go viral. But you know, not every company is the squatty potty. Like virality can be a nice result, but it should never be the goal. And so that was a a kind of a frustrating one. Outside of Nana, you know, it was an interesting one. I spent six years at a company called Great Call. Great Call makes tech for seniors. They make the jitterbug cell phone. You might be familiar with with having heard of that and, and a variety of other products. And uh, the, the old adage that, that all copy always needs to be concise, right? You get short form copy is best and, and that type of thing. But not when you're targeting seniors, it's not. Uh, honestly, some of our best performing marketing was these print ads that were like a novel. Like we wrote so much copy and we'd lay out the situation and this, that, and the other thing. And it worked. And it, it kind of goes back to my initial comment was what works for you doesn't work for everybody. And a bad recommendation to me is thinking that everything works everywhere and it just doesn't like so. Yeah, it's a great, great point. Um, long form copy versus short form. Yeah, you can't you can't generalize because people and even like, well, it's because it's seniors and there are different types of seniors and maybe some seniors <laughs> Like okay. short form copy, right? You, you have to test it. You have sure. to just, yeah. You, right, right. We, we tested everything, but there were certain types of publications where the long form was perfect. And we would write four paragraphs of copy on one print ad and it would work like a charm. So, yeah. Total, that's so great. And I really like your example of the going viral, which everybody wants to go viral these days, yeah. but that should not be the goal. There must be something that is much more substantial and strategic than that, for sure. Let's talk about stepping out of comfort zone as um, approach to, you know, how you approach life. Sometimes people fail when they step out of their comfort zone. So 
how has maybe a failure that you've had set you up for later success? Like what's your favorite failure? This one's actually a pretty easy one for me. I love my favorite failure story. I'm going to go back to that, the company Great Call that I just talked about, actually. So as I explained, Great Call makes uh, tech for seniors. They made a jitterbug cell phone. Back then, we had two colors, with the white and the gray, and that was it. And we were an MVNO, uh, so we didn't own our own network. We didn't make our own products. We were the, the cell provider for seniors. And Samsung actually made our phones. So our volume wasn't that high that we could just make whatever we wanted. We had to work within whatever Samsung was willing to make for us. And we were pretty small potatoes for Samsung, obviously, with all the products they make. Well, at one point, I got into my head that I wanted to make a pink phone and partner with Susan G. Komen. So did a bunch of work. Uh, I presented my idea to the CMO. And uh, I'll just say he basically shot it down pretty much immediately. <laughs> he, he went through my slides, pointed out, all the things that I needed to hear, but I didn't really want to. I was, I was pretty, I was, you know, I was fresh. I had done some work and I thought it was a really good idea. And he's, he pointed out, you know, pink phone doesn't appeal to everybody. Our sales volume is not nearly high enough for Samsung to make this. There's no real tie-in between breast cancer and the company and yacht. And he just rattled them all off. And then it was the type of feedback, you know, I was, I was younger and, and you know, you, you kind of get, it's like a gut punch. You're like, ah, oh, I thought this was the best idea. And you tuck your tail between your legs and you go off. Well, so I was pretty disappointed, but I went back to the drawing board and, and the learning experiences here was I really did the right amount of work now. I probably didn't put as much work as I should have or on the pink phone, to be frank, but you're young and you're, you're arrogant and you think you got the best idea. So as I put the real effort into the new idea, into a new idea, um, I started researching things and I stumbled across that heart disease was actually one of the leading killers or the leading killer of seniors. Um, so that led me down a path to the American Heart Association, and I found their Go Red for Women campaign. And all of a sudden, I kind of had that light bulb moment. I was like, oh, all right, now I'm onto something here. So I researched more about it. I dug in. I even reached out to the AHA. Turned out they didn't have a cell phone partner. So I wrote up a whole new concept that included making a red version of the jitterbug. But then I, I went way, way deeper, you know, to my CMO's point. It was very surface level, this whole pink phone concept. So now, okay, now we're going to partner with the American Art Association. We're going to make a red jitterbug. We're going to give $10 donation for every phone sold. We're going to give daily heart healthy tips from the American Heart Association texted to our customers for free. Every day you get this text that says, hey, here's a heart healthy tip about eating or exercising or whatever. I've made this whole new program. Went in, sold the CMO on it. He loved it. Then I had to go sell the board of directors and they loved it. And eventually I finally actually had to fly out to Samsung and sell them on it because like I said, our MOQ wasn't very high. The quantity we were ordering wasn't high enough to really justify a third color. But then I sold them on it. And uh, lo and behold, it worked. The day that phone launched, it became our number one selling SKU. And uh, from what I'm told, it still is today. So, you know, the old adage that failure is just a stop on the road to success is, is totally true. And from a personal perspective, actually, I ended up getting promoted after that. So it's, it's kind of my favorite failure because that, that failure totally changed the trajectory of my career. Yeah. The, the important thing is, is to like get that feedback, get that critical feedback, hear it, do something with it 
and then become better with your next thing. And that's kind of what you did. So thanks. That's great that you talked about that. Um, Can you, for all the folks listening, I like to just ask about something more personal to connect you with the audience, something about yourself, something strange that you love. Maybe others don't really understand or get it and you don't know why they don't get it. Sure. Well, for one thing, I'll start with the job. I actually don't have any children. So I am the CMO of a company that is entirely positioned around child development. And I'm in it for, you know, I, I like the tech. I like the challenge of that I, I presented before. So that's kind of interesting. People are always like, you don't even have kids. And I'm like, I know, but look at us. We're, we're it, sometimes it's better. You know, you, you don't force your own viewpoint. I, I don't know what a 28 year old mom wants. So maybe I'm going to listen to the 28 year old mom more than if I, you know, if I were the target market, but on a personal level, something more fun. I am a competitive chili cook. I enter chili cook-offs all the time. I've been doing it for over 10 years. <laughs> Funny, at the beginning of 2020, I actually won. So I've been doing contests for years and I never, ever won. And I had come in second and third place a bunch of times. And like, this was just driving me crazy. And beginning of 2020, I entered a chili cook-off and I won. And then I entered another chili cook-off and I won that one too. And now I'm like, 2020 is going to be my year. And womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> So um, that was, uh, that, you know. Yeah, to abruptly stop. Yeah, season <laughs> was over. And um, yeah, so I am a competitive chili cook. I love to compete and dabble and go compete. I've even competed in, a, in some professional ones. Um, I haven't won those. But, uh, the, you know, you go to the brewery and you go to the, 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 the bar and you compete against the local people. And um, it's super fun. So That's yeah. so fun. What are the, like, unique ingredients that you put in there to make it a special recipe? Any Ooh, tips on that? There are a lot, but I'm going to give a specific one that people might be surprised to hear, which is coffee. So I use actual coffee grounds and it's not to taste the coffee. I mean, I make, there's nine pounds of meat in every batch of chili I make. So obviously a little coffee is not going to be noticeable, but what coffee does do is it adds a level of depth to the flavor. So there's a few different ingredients that you can use in chili that will do that. Chocolate is one of them. For instance, I don't want to use chocolate in mine. I want no sweet added to my chili, but I have been using coffee lately. And uh, yeah, coffee was in my winning batches. So I guess coffee was a good ad. Sounds like a great ad. Nice, nice uh, underlying secret there. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Aaron, we covered a lot today and I'm so thankful for your expertise and your sharing your journey, everything from like the team, what they're working on, how you think about targeting folks for those products that you offer, what channels you guys are using, what's kind of on your mind is like the big challenges, how you get idea, like different ideas you've had, what you need to go from B to series C. I mean, seriously, what did we not cover? And then chili, of course. So <laughs> thank <chili>. you. <laughs> Thanks for being on here. And you can reach Aaron on LinkedIn Aaron Pollock and find out more about Nanit by going to nanit.com. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Anna. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping regularly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Anna Firminov, or visit my website, firmanovmarketing.com.